welcome to it's a weird wavering note in my voice there. Hello and welcome to Between Oh my goodness. Hello and welcome to Between You and Me, the Marillion Podcast. Not the official Marillion Podcast. There isn't an official Marillion Podcast, is there, Sammy? Is there not? Is Corona Diaries not considered an official Marillion Podcast? No, that's, that's... having its lead the lead singer of Marillion on it. It's not an official Marillion product. They don't. You don't pay Marillion for that. You you charge on Patreon. Okay. Hey, should we reveal who our upcoming special guest is? Do it. Do it. Yes, everyone. We are finally crossing over with Corona Diaries. In a few weeks, we're going to be speaking to Aunt Shaw, who, of course, is the most important member of the Corona Diaries. <laughs> I mean that in jest. Uh, Aunt is um, a brilliant host. And that show wouldn't be half what it is without him. But uh, he's also made it completely redundant, us ever trying to get H on the podcast, because (laughs) he he basically is interviewed every week in great depth. But uh, I thought it'd be interesting to get Anne on. I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and ask what that's like doing a podcast with the lead singer of Marillion, because we'll never know. (laughs) We won't. I'm not going to ask H ever. Wow. Well, I don't think there's any point because the Corona okay, Diaries. Like is... Ever's so final, though. I mean, you sound like a a, a, a petulant child, <laughs> like with the arms crossed. I'm never doing that. I'm never going to do that. Well, I don't know what I'd ask him. What would you ask him that isn't either like, hasn't already been asked on Corona Diaries or isn't going to be spoken about on Corona Diaries? Whereas I think speaking to Aunt Shaw, I can ask things that they'd probably never talk about on there because it's all about H. So I think I think it'd be an interesting chat. Oh, it will, yeah. I'm really I looking forward wait. to it. Yeah. How did I get onto that? I don't know. I segued. But talking of Marillion official products. Yes. <laughs> Marillion, of course, have started doing a Monday YouTube video, haven't they? Yeah, we love it. We love it. Watching it while we eat our tea. Yes, we do. Yes. Uh, and on the latest one, they had a, an update on the new album. And what was your what were your <laughs> what was your first reaction? First reaction. What were your thoughts on their update? I think you could probably describe them better than I can. I think only a photo of your face could have described them, but sadly, you didn't let me take a photograph. Well, no, because face. I was grimacing. <laughs> you might all be kind of going, "What? Surely Paul should be really excited about." The new Marillion album. And he was until he heard yeah. he heard a, a specific sentence on Monday's um, yeah. YouTube video. That word was up-tempo. His <laughs> favourite. Look, I, I admit, I admit, I did freak out when the band... You really did freak when, out. <laughs> I did. All the band members started saying how the album is much more up-tempo um, and the, even Mike Hunter's been saying, lads, you need to put some more atmospheric stuff on Yeah, they here. had to sp- search and specifically create some slower songs. Yeah, they described it as an album that's more like sounds that can't be made. Which, was that a slow, was that an up-tempo album? Well, okay, look, I, I relaxed a bit when one of them, I think it was Pete, said the songs aren't so much up-tempo is more powerful. Yes. Which, he, yes. you know, if they're talking about songs like Power, 
Yeah, God, I um, love power. Or so all the songs sound sounds that can't be made. Mm. If they're talking about songs like that, then I'm happy. Uh, but if we're talking an album of because you know, and then Mark Kelly came on. What did we say on the podcast last week about how? You know, I said, I, I I bet in the studio they sit around going, oh, well, this won't be good live or not. And then what does Mark Kelly say on the latest video? Oh, these are going to be great to play live. I bloody told you. Okay, and instead of being really happy about that, because it means that you'll get some great live shows, you were like huffing and puffing. Well, a lot of the songs that they, they say are great to play live are among my least favourite Marillion songs. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just There's don't... no pleasing some people, is there? <laughs> Is there? I'm shitting myself that they're going to do, after five years, do an album I don't like. Well, do you know what? I I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, good one. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? Look, I'm worried. I mean it. There you go. I'm worried. Oh, that's what I was going to say. That's actually a really good frame of mind to go into a new album with because the only way is up from there. You've yes. got low expectations. The only way is for them to be improved upon. Yes. What's that noise outside? Gardening noises. Someone's doing gardening or or, or, or making gardening noises or doing, without gardening. Or doing, <laughs> or, doing, or doing wheelies on a motorbike. A gardening noise impersonator. <laughs> he just walks around the streets. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Dick Flymole. <laughs> He just walks around the street, um, opening his mouth and sounding like a lawnmower. <laughs> like that bloke out of uh, Police Academy. Yeah. He has like a loudspeaker. So, look, I just wanted to get it out there. I'm worried. I am. I am. Because, You're genuinely worried. Yeah, I genuinely am. And all of this has been exacerbated by, here it comes, everyone, if you've tuned into this, going, why aren't they talking about this strange engine? <laughs> Which this episode is billed as... It's been exacerbated by my listening experience of this strange engine over recent weeks. What? You've kept that so quiet. I know. You have kept that so quiet. In fact, I only know of one... I only only know of your opinion of one of the songs, and that is because basically every single day I come home from my walk and say, (laughs) I've had to listen to... Should I say what the song is? Yeah, because you can't remember it. <laughs> no, I've had to listen to Estonia again because I couldn't remember how it went. <laughs> and then you'd give, you'd make it clear what you thought of the song. I actually really love Estonia. Oh, I just. Oh, we're getting some opinions out there. We're right getting away. some opinions out there already. But um, yeah, I'm guessing that you don't love it. I haven't said that. Oh, okay. I haven't said well, maybe that. Maybe you do then. Because I want to. This week, I want to talk about. The where we're at in Marillion's story, I want to talk about the album in a holistic sense. Oh, holistic! Holistic. That's one of the big words I'm going to use this week. Uh, and I want to talk about where I was at in 1997 when this came out mm-hmm. as a Marillion fan, and my reaction to it then, and looking back on that, and trying to dig a bit deeper to, into what I was feeling. So this is going to be a slightly different approach to the album than, than we normally do it. But because I had some very complicated feelings come up. For me, I'm bearing in mind that you came to this album from a real high. Yeah. You 
loved Afraid of Sunlight. And brave. Like, if Afraid of Sunlight, if love is even a strong enough word for how you felt about it. Yeah. And conversely to how I said, it's good for you to go into the upcoming new album with low expectations because the only way is up. Perhaps the only way from the pinnacle of Afraid of Sunlight for you was to go down. Well, this is... I'm, I'm faced with the same issue, right? I've, I loved Fear. Yes. Love, love it. It's one of their best albums. And I love yes. Sounds That Can't Be Made. Yeah. I love both those albums. So I'm coming to this from the place of having two great Marillion albums mm-hmm. on the trot. Yeah, not even good, great albums. Yeah, I know Sounds That Can't Be Made recently in the Marillion Christmas poll uh, came surprisingly low. Mm. So I don't know if everyone feels like I do about it. Just quick opinion poll. Yes. Which do you prefer? A poll of one person, of one person's opinion. Which do you prefer? <laughs> Sounds that can't be made or fear? Fear. Oh. Fear, without doubt. But I, I love Sounds That Can't Be Made. And I'm okay with them doing another album of songs. Mm-hmm. I just worry because when but they've done that a lot and I don't always think they get their best albums out of it. I think they do their best stuff. I'm going to shut up because this is, I, I'm gonna, there's something I want to talk about in relation to Marillion. I just want to interrupt you because I've got one more you keep question. Interrupting me, I know, fine. but it, it before we move forward and into this strange engine while we're still close to the topic of the new upcoming album would you consider sounds that can't be made up tempo as an album Hmm. i just want to know your definition of up tempo yeah i think i would Ah, interesting because i wouldn't i wouldn't have said up tempo powerful is a good way of describing yeah but they all sort of talk but it's a different kind of it's a it's yeah it's high energy in certain places but it's it's different for for me personally than saying it's up tempo it's more just like it's got got energy yeah but it's powerful it is really it's got like a push and a depth to certain songs yeah i mean i'm hope look i remain hopeful as as h sort of joked you know they they've nicknamed one of the songs the ultimate death song yeah <laughs> so it's you not, loved that yeah because i thought oh that. finally they're doing the death album the next one will be the water album we'll you know, <laughs> we'll finally get what we've all been anticipating for years but uh so so you know they're clearly not gonna be an album of, I don't know, No One Can or something like right, that. Right, What I worry about is it will get an album, and I, I there's no reason why this would happen, but I worry that we'll get an album of Paper Lies. Oh, God. Wouldn't that be awful? There's no way they do. Look, they've spent, how many years have they been Five working? years. Five, okay. They've spent five years working on this album. You're not going to get an album of Paper Lies. Mm. You, you won't. Yeah. Well, look, I'm hopeful that... He's still not convinced. I'm not. He's still not convinced. I, I'm also hopeful that Mike Hunter, who's steering the ship, and Mike Hunter, who was the one that kind of said, lads, I think you need to kind of put some, you know, of your more down-tempo mm. atmospheric stuff in, that he, he... And they've said this in interviews, that he's basically the sixth member of the band, and he also knows what the audience want. Mm-hmm. So I, I think... 
Mike will at least step in if it's all heading in. <laughs> Look a at your nervous direction. smile. I am terrified. When you say I think, you mean you hope. I'm terrified. I can see that. You're because... genuine you're genuinely worried. Yeah, I am. Genuinely worried. Yeah. Uh because because Marillion albums, all of them, since I first got into the band in eighty five. They kind of, you know, as I've said in the, this podcast in in the past, I always remember that first experience of listening to them mm. and kind of knowing, wow, these songs are going to become part of me mm-hmm. for good or bad. Mm. You know, even Paper Lies, you know, I know that's going to be in my head for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And And those points at which the albums are released... A, a kind of key moments in my life. I know that sounds nuts, but... I, look, the first album release after we got together yeah. was Sounds That Can't Be Made. And that's the point where I realised how much this means to you because every day you were at the door like a little kid <laughs> waiting for the postman. I was. And getting me to ask the postman... <laughs> I know, get you to run up the road. Running up the road. to If he hadn't stopped at our house, once Paul made me run up the road and ask the postman, did you have anything for... I can't remember our house number. Yeah. I can't remember. Number 52. Oh, yeah. Did you have anything for number 52? (laughs) And then he said no and I'd come home and you were so disappointed. I know. Because... It was clear how much a new album release meant to you. And then when it came and you put on your headphones... Went and lay on the sofa and you were gone for like an entire day. Yeah, because I have to listen to it, it multiple times because mm. I know I won't necessarily love it on the first listen. Yeah. Yes. So look, I was there again in 1997. And I just want to, you know, introduce the album a bit and then talk about where I was at, where Marillion were at, where Marillion Phantom was at. Because... Mm-hmm. This Strange Engine was a real turning point in the band's history for several reasons. Firstly, of course, it was the first Marillion album, not with EMI. Right, they were with Castle. Yeah. Well remembered. <laughs> no, whoa. Yeah. Well Released done, on brain. What, what Castle label? Oh, come on. Come on, <laughs> you, got, you got Castle. Don't start pushing the boundaries. More power! Which is, uh, of course, a... Uh, a phrase that you associate with Marillion. By the way, shout out to what was the name of the guy that wrote us the letter telling me I'd um, uh, failed to mention. I, I will let you know. Why Ice Cream Genius. Um, he sent us a letter telling me that, uh, well, accusing me of not listening to Corona Diaries. <laughs> uh, yes, I know this story was told in Corona Diaries. David. David. Well, thank you, David, for messaging me and calling me not a proper Marillion fan for listening to, not listening to Corona Diaries and, and not mentioning the story that H told about how the record company went bust uh, the day that Ice Cream Genius came out. And That's so, that so oh, happened to me with my book years ago. You're right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so H created a fake record company to release the album himself in America. There we go. I've covered that one. Um, so, raw power. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let me just read some quotes from from the band about where they were at. So as Rother said, he was explaining where he was at before they came to this strange engine. He said, I worked on a solo project called The Wishing Tree with a girl singer. 
I think she was a woman, Mothers. Uh, but uh, we covered that last week, if you remember. Um, he said Steve Hogarth also did a solo album, covered that last week, and Mosley did one with the French guitarist, covered that last week. Um, what about Pete? He was involved as well, though, Mothers. Uh, and he says, I've been trying to get a project done for about 11 years, and I think these solo projects revitalised the band when we came together. Not only did we appreciate the chemistry, but our enthusiasm had increased and we had new ideas as a result of our solo experiences. Uh, Ian says, or said, This Strange Engine is one of my favourite albums. The problem was the label we were on wasn't really giving us any proper promotion. They knew we had a fan base who would find our albums even if they were under a rock somewhere. They just thought a Marillion album is a licence to print money, except it wasn't for us. Um, so for Marillion, they, they were at this, they were at the start of this three album deal and gradually over the course of those three albums, they would put in place the, I don't know, mechanisms for want of a better word that allowed them to thrive in the two thousands, but they also had three albums to put out in that time to fulfill that deal um and it was a time of without this promotion a time of of declining record sales from them for them it, and there was just on top of that there was a sort of lack of in, excitement and enthusiasm around Marillion in the fan base the media didn't care even in the fan base so even after afraid of sunlight had come out and been quite loved by fans from from my understanding so this is two years on mm. okay two years on and afraid of sunlight had come out and been loved it's loved now put it that way um, right at the time it still sort of disappeared without a trace it didn't sell anywhere near as well as they'd, they'd wanted so it didn't um, kind of have a slow burn where over time people... I think it has it now, more. two years on in 1997. I don't think it had an effect. Well, the effect it had, consequently, was, was once again sales declined. Mm. Um, this Strange Engine only got to number 27 and hung around the bottom reaches there for a few weeks before disappearing entirely. It sold all right in the Netherlands, where it got got top ten, just. Um, but yeah, in the UK, no one cared anymore. That Wait, was hang the... on, Afraid of Sunlight got to number thirty-five. Was that right? Or uh, I think it got higher than that. I so don't know. Got... I don't have it with me. But but point oh, point right. is, I'm it like... continued to decline. There yeah. wasn't um, there wasn't a big kind of lead single. They they did release two singles off of it. Man of a Thousand Faces. I didn't even know it was out as a single. Seriously. Um, and then 80 Days I did, um, but Man of a Thousand Faces didn't... I mean, it has a video, which I I'd ne- I never saw at the time. Yeah, there were no TV performances of the song, nothing. So it sounds like there was a lack of funding in with the PR. But again, if if PR is clever... It, do, it Yes, money is really important in that game. Especially also, if, if it's pre internet or pre-internet being everywhere yeah well this was still you know internet being in its infancy yeah uh but that's going to be an important part for this strange engine story but we'll get to that in due course um 
the yeah i think you also need with pr you need enthusiasm from the people at the top and you know as as ian said in that quote they just sort of saw well marillion have got a fan base we'll sell x amount of albums we've only got them for three more or two more albums after this one that'll be fine we'll make a bit of money in the meantime there was no strategy for for keeping the band afloat you know and, mm. and pushing them forwards in fact ian also said um, when asked whether he ever felt like it was the end of the road for Marillion, he said, I don't think any of the band felt like that, but the manager definitely did. He said to me at one day, you should think about doing six months of Marillion and something else for the rest of the year. So that shows you the wow. mentality of the people. That Who was, was the manager at the time? John Arneson. This is why they let him go. Oh. So he oh. was, that was, that was yeah, where... Yeah, manager record- doesn't have a core faith in your potential that's um that's got to be demoralizing yeah and this is where they were at they didn't have a manager or a label behind them doing stuff for them every day a manager kind of going no look lads you should go part-time this is marillion who had had number one albums but that's how far the their their fortune had sort of fallen you know, they weren't, no one would have been saying that if they were still selling albums in the hundreds and hundreds of thousands, like right. they had been. Yeah. So it's a kind of chicken and egg thing. Th- that enthusiasm wasn't there because the fan base wasn't as big as it had been. And mm. they could only, you know, the people making money, you could only make so much money out of Marillion and didn't have faith that, that, they were ever going to get to the top again. You know, this is an ageing band. At mm. 1997, they've been around for sort of, you know, 15 years as a, a recording act, you know, right since 1979. Yeah, but then, so, you know, how long was that? 19 years, 18 years, something like that. Um, They were, yeah, they were not a new band. And in the history of music... <laughs> Well, you know, it favours acts like the Beatles, who, yes, of course, we all know how influential they were. But the Beatles' recording career kind of was, what, about six years? That's how, that's all they were around for, releasing records. Bands, unless they were Led Zeppelin, even then, you know, they didn't you know, last last the distance. But, but bands don't do what Marillion went on to do, mm. which is rediscover a new way to revitalize their careers and make a going concern of it at that point no one had done that and as we know marillion were the first to do it so it was released this strange engine was released in april 1997 Mm -hmm. so a couple of months after h's all but invisible solo album uh it was recorded at the racket club um, between August and November 96, and was the first album to be produced entirely by the band themselves. Oh, really? They did have um, Stuart Every and Dave Megan from Brave and Afraid of Sunlight doing some of the mixing, but for the most part, this was entirely the band doing it themselves, which, of course, saved money. Mm-hmm. Rothers described it as, he said, the first, it's the first album we've produced ourselves We've had to take more responsibility. There's a lot of dynamics going on. In the case of a band like Marillion, that's what it's all about. It's all about light and shade, and the imagery, both lyrical and musical, is like the soundtrack to a film. Okay? I really think the production is one of the best, especially the way the guitar sounds. Really, Rothers. 
<laughs> really, that's an interesting <laughs> quote. <laughs> Yeah, he goes on to say, I don't know whether to mention this this week, because next week we're going to start talking about the individual tracks. We'll probably get through them all, I think, next week. I don't think there's going to be, this isn't going to be an album like Brave, where we do multiple weeks. We're going to do this week and next week. So Rothers described it as, there's not a concept, but there are a few recurring themes. The album's autobiographical, as you know. Steve wrote about his father explaining the sacrifices he'd made. But there's two main writers, which, because John Helmer mm-hmm. has a lot on this album. So it's hard to maintain a distinct concept. Or maybe get H to write all the lyrics, because he does a good one anyway. Um, <laughs> he says the lyrics are a strong blend of the personalities of John and Steve. Two album, uh, singles are out. Uh, Man of a Thousand Faces and Eight Days came out afterwards. There were no B-sides as such. Just mm. sort of live versions and acoustic versions of existing tracks. I mean, geez, Man of a Thousand Faces got to 98. But if there was no PR around it and fans didn't even know, like big fans like you had no idea that it had been released. Yeah. It's not really surprising that it only got to number 98. Well, 80 Days didn't even chart. No way. Yeah. I mean, so the, the whole thing of the label... And the manager kind of going, oh, Marillion fans will buy anything. That wasn't true, well, was it? Yeah, they if they know it exists, they might. But if no one tells them that there's a single out, yeah. what are they meant to do? Yeah. So uh, Rothers also said, this strange engine uh, did come out in the US though, through a company called Velvel Records on the Eagle Rock label. Velvel. We're still signed to Castle in England. There's some good people in Velvel. And they seem very enthusiastic about the music, but we got caught in the whole Castle Alliance shakedown. So this is, I think, what happened to Ice Cream Genius. Castle isn't the same company we signed to, and it's barely functioning as a label. Mm. Which probably actually explains why there was no marketing promotion for the singles. Yes. Uh, He says there's a lot of people bidding for it, and it's caused us a great deal of frustration. We had a great relationship with them, but things didn't work out. It's been a lot like snakes and ladders. We made the record starting at the end of last year through March, and we didn't even have a record company when we recorded the album. I've also written here in my notes, horrible brown cover. <laughs> I need to see, I don't think I've seen the well, cover. You must have seen the cover. Uh, need to have another look. Um, hey, Paul, do you reckon whenever the... Vel Vel company released a, a new album. They they would walk into the room and go, Vel Vel Vel. <laughs> yes, I do think that. <laughs> I have a new album to show Very you. Very good. A good one. Uh, this strange. Oh yes, of course I've seen that. Well, oh, you should I... have seen it because our because our logo our logo is inspired by it. <laughs> and you've just called it horrible. I mean, uh, not gonna lie it's not my favorite cover because it's so bloody brown you can't even see what it is we're gonna have we're gonna do an episode on covers though aren't we yeah we are so i'll save i'll save opinions for then (laughs) put a pin in it wow yeah if anyone doesn't know well you know go to the internet but (laughs) 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 but it's a sort of weird brown engine whoa hello uh (laughs) 
Sorry, but when you put the word brown in front of anything, I'm a child, it makes me laugh. So it's a brown engine <laughs> with a heart on fire in the middle of it. Mm. There you go. So, 1997. I got the album early because I was working at Teletext and, as I've established previously, the music guy just used to give me all the Meridian stuff to do, which included, back then, interviewing Mark Kelly. Uh, I don't remember anything about that interview whatsoever. <laughs> was it an interview about this strange engine? Yeah, I know it was this... I know, I know it was this album because... You know, it's probably one of the few bits of press they got in the UK, let's face it. Uh, <laughs> I know it was his strange engine because I know I interviewed him. He was the first member of the band I interviewed um, before, because H, I interviewed for Radiation, because I remember some of that interview. Uh, and I also remember because uh, it was around the time that I first started using the internet to look at Marillion stuff. There was Meridian News Group, the Freaks List, all that sort of stuff, which Mark was very active on. Oh, right. Um, and I posted up a review of this strange engine on one of those groups. I tried to see if I could find it um, yesterday, but it doesn't seem to go back that far enough, the archive that I found, which is a shame. But I also know that because I, I posted a message on there about, you know, why I uh, got to got it early. And I said, oh, and I got to interview Mark because I said, um, I, and I said something along the lines of, oh, I'm the uh, resident Meridian fanatic in the office. I said, I hope Mark couldn't tell. And he replied, said, I could. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, didn't hide it. <laughs> Uh, so, um, you know, as we know, or history records, uh, Mark's use of uh, that news group basically secured Meridian's future. But we'll get to that. Ah, we'll get to that. It started with the news group. Yes. Ah. Yes. There you go. The internet was starting to become a thing and, and so hence kind of getting having a little bit more connection to the wider Meridian audience because frankly we weren't getting info anywhere else or we weren't getting press it was it honestly it was it was weird but as a result of that I don't know it was a weird time to be a fan knowing they weren't with EMI knowing that that there wasn't that support for them which was very apparent so you could feel it as fans that the band were unsupported. Put it this way, right? I have, I still have it. It's in the shed, a VHS tape with where I would record all my Meridian TV appearances. There were none for this strange engine. I used to record, I used to have it set up. Oh my God, okay, Meridian, I'm on this, record. Nothing on that from that era at all. And so it continued for the rest of the 90s. It was an absolute black hole. At the time, the review that I gave on that, that I, I struggled to remember how it was set up, which is why I can't remember, because everyone talks about the Freaks list. God, what was the other one? There were a few different ones. Some of you might be able to remind me about this. And I'd love, by the way, if anyone wants to write in there with their memories of, of sort of this era, not even so much about the album, but just their memories of the Marillion mailing lists and, and news groups and stuff. 
because it was the first sort of feeling of that community starting to build up the first sort of embers of that and because that was it i'd posted the review on one of the places mm. and someone messaged me said do you mind if i post this to freaks or elsewhere so and i remember that review being so effusive and positive i remember particularly this strange engine i remember sort of saying it feels like uh, a song that pays homage to kind of every year of Marillion's history. You know, oh, here's a bit that sounds a bit mm. misplaced childhood. Here's yes. a bit that sounds a bit like Grendel. Here's a bit that sounds like Brave. And that was how I described it in the this very enthusiastic, very excitable review. But what I've done, and I think this has come up partly because of that video from the band. On, from mon- last from Monday. Last Monday. Which when when this podcast goes out, it's going to be the week, before. Yeah, yeah, week before, and couple to couple that couple to listening to it a lot, coupled to me kind of trying to put it into the context of nineteen ninety seven, which I haven't always done with the last few albums. I kind of realised I had a bit of cognitive dissonance going on. That. In case anyone doesn't know what cognitive dissonance... If anyone doesn't know how to say cognitive dissonance, I got this off psychology.com. It refers to a situation involving conflicting attitudes, beliefs or behaviours. This produces a feeling of mental discomfort leading to an alteration in one of the attitudes, beliefs or behaviours to reduce the discomfort and restore balance. Mm. Now, I told myself I loved that album. So the cognitive dissonance, just because that explanation was a bit <laughs> uncomfortable. Oh, I was un- about to explain. Oh, okay, okay. I told myself I loved that yeah. album. And Whereas the reality was, really what I was really feeling was disappointment. When did you realise that you were disappointed? Well, obviously at the time, but I wouldn't let myself feel that. Okay, uh, I'll reword it. When did When did it come into your conscious awareness this week you oh what yeah i've been writing up my notes for the last few weeks and kind of struggling to get enthusiastic about the album and it was this week when i thought well there's something going on here Mm. and it was that video where they talked about the new album that unlocked it for me that I realised it was the first time I was disappointed as a Meridian fan. Oh my goodness, you only realised it this week. That's how many years later? Well, yeah, <laughs> a lot. You've 24, been... 24 years later. 24 years you've been cognitive dissonance with this strange engine. It was the first time I was disappointed. And not only disappointed, but worried. And worried that I'd lost the band that I loved. But on top of that, I was confused because at the end of it, you had this massive slab of classic Marillion that seemed to tickle my boxes. And the rest of it for me at the time, this Mm. is I'm not, you know, we're going to kind of go that what I'm talking about here is not how I feel now necessarily, because now I've had 24 years of. Marillion's evolution I'm able to kind of look upon this album differently but I try to listen to it as I did then Mm -hmm. and actually feel what I was really feeling then and I felt really disappointed and let down 
and concerned that, yeah, I'd lost Marillion. And so I... I suppose I get why fans had had left them. Uh, Sorry. Oh, no, no. I'm I'm on a roll. Right. And it wasn't something... Even Holidays in Eden didn't shake my faith to the degree that this strange engine did. That's what I was going to ask. That's why you shouldn't interrupt. (laughs) Because I'll always get there. (laughs) Yeah, even Holidays in Eden didn't somehow. I think there was still enough classic Marillion sound in there, even though it was very poppy and very different. I don't know. Somehow there was a... And I'll try and get into it, right, with, with why this was why I felt it and try and get into my head of of where we were at. Because putting it into the, the context of the the musical landscape at the time, right? This is Marillion, right? Who had done Brave, the last two albums, Brave and Afraid of Sunlight, were really modern sounding albums with a lot of energy, um, a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't... I know on... Afraid of Sunlight, there were deliberate pastiches of other genres. Yes. But that felt like part of the context, um, the concept. Um, whereas on Brave, they sounded like no one else. They sounded like Marillion, a million percent. And there was a that was still there, I think, on Afraid of Sunlight. I, you know, yes, okay, you could go, oh, well, ooh, but isn't Cannibal Surf Babe just a Beach Boys ripoff? It is, but come on, it's totally different. You know, Out of This World still doesn't sound like anyone else. Afraid of Sunlight, the song, doesn't sound like anyone else, really. It sounds like Marillion. And then I think what happened on this strange engine, it felt like this coming to it with fresh ideas that Brothers talked about in that quote. Yeah, but they were coming to it with other people's ideas. They were doing new types of music on this album that are not doing anything new with it. So they talk about how, oh, yeah, oh, Brave influenced OK Computer, which, you know, we've kind of established mm, it didn't, but they love that story. OK Computer came out in 1997, sounded fresh and new and a prog album that was very modern and a new definition of what prog could be, and this kind of complex music, emotional, mature rock. And in the same year, they brought out this strange engine, which, if I'm being honest, I felt at the time sounded tired and flat and boring. And, you know, you look at the other bands of the sort of... What else was that in 97? So you have Blur's Blur, which, again, Blur as a band totally dramatically reinvented what they sounded like, yet still sounding like Blur. But that Blur album was very raw and new and fresh. Then you had Portishead's first album. Again, very different. Prodigy's Fat of the Land. Then, if you want to kind of get into more sort of proggy and epic kind of bands, Mogwai's Young Team, uh, Spiritualized Ladies and Gentlemen with Floating in Space. I mean, Mogwai's album had like, like a 16-minute song on at the end. Okay? So what Marillion were doing was not that revolutionary. Spiritualized, ladies and gentlemen, were floating in space. You know, the songs blended into one another. Great packaging on that album. It came in a giant pill packet and you had to kind of pop the album out, oh, the CD awesome. out of the, the foil packaging. Wow. Genius. Um, 
Manson's Attack of the Grey Lantern, which weirdly I saw once, I think it might have been Q Magazine, that said, if you like this, listen to Misplaced Childhood by Marillion. It doesn't sound anything like Misplaced Childhood at all, but I think they were thinking of six. Um, then you had Godspeed, you Black Emperor's first album, which had like was basically just three long songs. And then, yeah, you had David Bowie's Earthling, which is Bowie being Bowie, being himself, but experimenting with sounds, you know, like trip hop and, you know, the sort of modern dance sounds. And and I think I kind of looked at a lot of these quotes where Meridian sort of say, oh, yeah, we're trying new stuff on this album. But it might have been new to them, but it wasn't new to anyone else. You know, a song like One Fine Day, this sort of bluesy, slow, plotty rocker. It's not pushing music. They're not experimenting in a broader musical context, I keep saying context, but they're not experimenting in that way. They're just doing stuff that's new to them. Then you've got Hope for the Future, which is, is them trying to do, you know, kind of a Latin-flavoured thing that sounded like it could have come off the Tarzan soundtrack. Oh, you, know, you can laugh. You're laughing silently. Why are you not? Why do you want people to know you're laughing? You got eighty days, which is basically crowded house. Uh, Man of a thousand faces, which for the record I love. The working title for that was Counting Crows. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that was. I remember seeing the the. Uh, I don't know where it was. The photo was printed, but they had like a kind of a rough track listing for the album. Track one, Counting Crows. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is. So what you get with this album and what I think my issue was, was it was Marillion doing styles of music that other people do better. Whereas Marillion do one thing better than anyone and that's being Marillion. And yes, you get that on this Strange Engine, the, the title track. Yes, it's there without a doubt. But then leading up to that, you had a whole load of other songs that didn't sound like them. Sanya, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I want to say a couple of things. The first is how can they realise that Marillion doing Marillion is when they sound the best unless they have the freedom to experiment with other sounds because it's through that experimentation of other sounds and other styles of music that they, they can see what works best what's strongest and what's weakest for them. Well, hang on. And, and they might, <laughs> you know, through doing that, they might have found a different sound that, that they could have brought in to their... Four-fifths yeah. of the band had just done solo projects. Yeah. Wasn't that the place for that? But they hadn't worked together. It's different. It's different if you can experiment with more trippy ethnic sounds on your solo project and then trying to bring it in and work with the rest of the band with those same sounds mm. because you've got more personalities to have to harmonize with i think it's part of the journey for them to get to where they are now to have gone through a phase where they did experiment and try well look different look, this kinds is, of, of musical styles this is what happens for the next three albums this strange engine radiation.com all of them uh 
collections of songs that are kind of all over the place stylistically. It's absolutely what they did. But to do that for three albums is one hell of a risky gambit. Mm. And I think this comes back to, again, that video that we saw on their on their YouTube channel. Something that I've been thinking about a lot. And why I worry sometimes about the way Meridian writes songs. Because they'd never, or at least in a long time, there hasn't seemed to have been... I mean, I guess on, on fear they had it. But I suppose I was worried when they said on that video, it's going to be a collection of songs like Sounds That Can't Be Made. Because often when they've gone that route, I've been left disappointed. Mm. And when they've kind of said, here's what we're, you know, they've sat down at the beginning of the writing or the jamming or whatever it was and said, this is the kind of album we want to create. Okay, when they've set out with an artistic intent, they've produced their strongest work. Look at Fear. You know, they, you know, H clearly had an idea that he wanted to express. Yes, okay, it isn't a concept album per se, but somehow that holds together so well. You look there at is the, a there is a common theme that does link it there is a common it feels kind of sound that links there is. the whole album there's Definitely. a sound that links that album mm. and there's a sound that links well clearly brave and afraid of sunlight and marbles they hold together as i say you know but marillion don't do this or don't seem to do it generally they they bash around in the studio on their instruments mike hunter's plucking out bits bash around paul <laughs> oh, step back it, it's sorry it is it's the it's the infinite Mount of monkeys approach to songwriting that's well, how it feels wait, what do you mean infinite monkeys? well they sort of say if an infinite amount of monkeys with an infinite amount of typewriters had an infinite amount of time eventually they'd write the complete works of shakespeare oh right okay yeah that sometimes is how it feels when they describe how they write mm. you know i know they've done it for a long time but and I don't want to compare modern Meridian with the Fish era, really, but those were four really con co cohesive records. That each of those records feel different from each other, but feel like a whole. Yeah, I think the same could be said of of all their best albums, the H era and the Fish era. That those albums sound cohesive. Now, when they're at their weakest, is when those albums are, to quote the band this week, a collection of songs. God. You take that sentence and just make it. Yeah, but sound... it put the shits up me. <laughs> so look, so what I'm saying is, I, I worry that they 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 fumble around in the dark, mm. and until Mike Hunter splices enough of the bits together to form a song. He's my hope in this. Mm. And I, don't, I, I, I know I'm sounding really negative this week, mm. but I'm scared. That, and this is why I worry that that's what, you know, what happened with this strange engine. Oh, okay, so Rothers is into Crowded Houses week, so you know, he's written a Crowded House song. Or, oh, okay, so someone's been listening to the, new, the, you know, the, the debut Counting Crows album, so they've written a song a bit like that. Well, uh, do you know what? I'm going to come at it from an opposite perspective. I love that. 
I love that Marillion have done a Crowded House sounding song or a Counting Crows sounded but song. Why? But why? Because Counting Crows and Crowded House Marillion, can do that. Marillion. Marillion eyes. But they don't enough. I mean, I love but Man what, of a Thousand Faces. But who are you faces. to decide whether it's done I'm not. Or not. I'm a fan. They're, I can say what I like. It's creation, so obviously <laughs> it's enough. But why? Why? I don't want Marillion to write songs that sound like other people. I want songs that, that, that and yet, only they can write. And yet you complain when people, um, when other people complain about them not sounding like 70s prog, you say prog is about moving forward. And it changing. is, and yes. And when they don't, when they do that in a way that doesn't suit you. But is it moving? <laughs> you start complaining that it's Is not it moving forward? Done in the right way. They're not. You know, it is at this point, forwards for them because okay. they're exploring other kind of sounds. For three bloody albums! <laughs> for three out al- That's some band's entire career. <laughs> you know? And the, and but look where it led them to. Yes, it led them to, frankly, Marbles. Can I just is... quote you from yesterday? Yeah. You said to me, Elon Musk's company's whole philosophy is to... Do things, try things, and learn and fail and learn from their failures. Why is it okay for Elon Musk and his company and not for Marillion? Look, I'm trying to tell you why I was disappointed in 1997. No, I get it. I've got one more question. (laughs) Okay. Do you think, had there been a better marketing campaign for uh, uh, for the album... Had there been a bit more hype created around it that maybe you would have felt differently? No, no. I don't think, however much hype there was around this album, this was never going to be heralded a great out, great, great album because of, of the musical landscape it was launched into. You know, all those bands that I name-checked were doing really innovative things with sound and with music. And Marillion... By comparison, I was listening to those bands, you know, then. My musical horizons had broadened. And then out came this Marillion album that, I'm going to say it, to me then, even though I told myself otherwise, to me then sounded tired. Hmm. It sounded tired and old-fashioned and dated. And it was a shame because they kind of then, you know, a few years earlier, they were going, oh, we brought out Brave. And then ooh, a few years later, Radiohead did OK Computer with Trailblazers. And then they come out in the same year as OK Computer with an album that back then sounded so lacklustre. So you're saying that this strange engine for you got a little bit swallowed up by all the other by music better, that by was out at the time. More innovative, better music. I'm, I'm saying yet, it. where are all those bands now? Where's David Bay? Well, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the prodigy? Well, one of him, one of them's dead. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Okay, well done, Marillion, for all staying alive. <laughs> you're, you're real trailblazers. Oh, dear. <laughs> but... The thing is, it was going back to that cognitive dissonance thing. Mm. And again, everyone who at the moment is is throwing pitchforks at their speaker because of everything I'm saying. This is me talking or trying to talk from the perspective of where I was at, at 24 time. years ago. Yeah, I get that. I know I'm being argumentative, yeah. but it's But no, it's not, good. You're, it's, being, you're being devil's advocate. Exactly. Uh, because at the time, this was what was all going on under the surface. And I'm letting it out for the first time because I think for the last 24 years... I've suppressed it and I've kind of gone, no, it's a, it's a great album. 
You're king of suppression. Yeah, I know. That's why, I, that's why I have gastritis. Tw- I know. <laughs> I know. Push all those feelings I down, know. Paul. King of suppression. Yeah. Just be like me and have absolutely zero capability. Yeah, yeah. You don't suppress anything, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. With, with being a Marillion fan, right? For years, my entire... I was going to say my entire life. For the 12 years at that point that I've been a Meridian fan, I'd had people telling me the Meridian are crap, making fun of me for liking them, etc., etc. So I couldn't just go, now nah, this one's not for me. I had to suppress it mm-hmm. and kind of go, nice, brilliant. Yeah. Because I couldn't admit that I was wrong. It didn't fit your world for yeah. you. The, the idea that there was a Meridian album that, that on some level I didn't think was great, I couldn't admit that. Mm. So I've suppressed it for 24 years. So if this is, sounds like an explosion, you know, mm. it's, I'm champagneing. I know the cork's out and it's all coming out. Mm. This is this is 24 years of suppressed feeling about this strange engine that, that frankly, I need to get out before mm. I can, can properly, adequately talk about these songs without this baggage that I've clearly got mm. rumbling around in my head. I mean, it it could be that you're at such a secure place with your relationship with Marillion now. Yes. That you you feel safe enough to say that wasn't, that album disappointed me. Yes, and yet, then at the same time, you know, they do a YouTube video where they go, oh, we're doing <laughs> an album that's just a load of up-tempo songs. And, you know, I, I, I practically get diarrhea because I have so much anxiety. <laughs> you were so anxious. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I could see it in your face and I was a little bit taken aback because there was the intensity of the fear that was reflected in your face it was a little bit confusing because it was like, well, it's exciting. They've got a new album. But now, after you've now said all you this, see? now it makes sense. Yeah. In context, it makes sense why you were feeling like that. Don't worry, you're not going to have to suppress anything for another 24 years. <laughs> Good, thank you. But what I will say is is, I'm sorry to the band that, that I, and I know others, put this much weight of expectation on what they do. Mm. You know, and I mean that sincerely. It's not fair. The band, it's just music at the end of the day. It's just an album. And yet... Unfortunately, we do. We do put so much pressure on it to to be great. Mm. And so much pressure on every Marillion release to be the equal of, of their highest moments. Why do you think that is? Because they mean so much to us. Because those highs, when Marillion are at their best, for those of us who love them, there's nothing better. There's no better music. You know, I think of those those times when a Marillion album clicks with me. And, you know, I say when it clicks because I always, that first listen is always weird. That moment where you realise, my God, I am in love with this record. You know, it's like having a kid, okay? Those first 24 hours are just, like, bewildering. 
<laughs> just like, you know, I, I don't know where I am. I don't know, mm. you know, what is this horrible thing? There's that's too just, much to process. Yeah, there's too much to take in. And it's like that for me with the Marillion album because I know, and I know I'm going to get to that stage where... And also because there's a lot riding on it. There's a lot of expectations that that music has to battle through before it can reach a place in you where you can give it a fair, honest opinion. Yeah, and it's like... Uh, you know with a Marillion album it is like a kid because I know I'm stuck with it for life and Mm. yeah sometimes they grow up to disappoint you (laughs) (laughs) sorry to all my children (laughs) oh dear the death stare she's giving me dear me I know you're joking so it's fine yes you know I'm joking I don't have a this strange engine among my children (laughs) Look, I'm going to say again, I sound like I hate this album, and I don't. This is really important for everyone listening to know that next week I'm not going to like kind of just slag this this album off song by song. Mm. That isn't going to happen. I needed to get this out, and I thought, based upon that YouTube video this week, based upon what that brought up for me, and my attempts to kind of put this album into context and kind of dig into what I'd really been feeling at the time, um, it just it just brought so much up and mm. and I I thought it would be an interesting exercise to do that and also once it started I couldn't stop it mm. yeah so would you say would you say these feelings of disappointment are about the album as a whole or actual individual tracks as well yeah I'll get a load of Dr Freud sat over there yeah no it's <laughs> tell a me genuine... about your mother <laughs> genuine question uh well no because because you said don't expect me to slag off the songs next week so maybe it's not the songs individually but only when you put them together that you kind of go it's partly that that. it's partly that yes because it's yes it is i I mean i don't want to get into it too much but yeah there's at least two songs on there that are among my favorite meridian songs of all time Mm -hmm. uh but they (laughs) it's giving away what they are but they kind of bookend a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd guessed, well, I'd guessed what they yeah, were. Yeah, they, they kind of bookend a lot of very mediocre stuff. But by the same token, there's nothing on this strange engine, and I include hope for the future in this. There's nothing on there I despise in mm. the way that I... It's so horrible. What a horrible man that I despise in... <laughs> To the level of Paper Lies or, or Holidays in Eden. Mm. There's no, it, you know, it's kind of, it's so inoffensive, it, but mediocre in its inoffensiveness. Yeah. Do you know, I had a similar realisation this morning. Not, I wouldn't, I'd not, I wouldn't have used the word mediocre, but I realised that none of these songs are one of my all-time favourite Marillion songs. There's plenty on the album which I like, but there aren't any which are kind of way up there. Mm. It's um, that kind of album. Which is really interesting. Yeah, it is. None uh, that I hate. And I think that's why at the time it kind of confused me mm. and why it also may have contributed to me suppressing that feeling of disappointment because it, it was like, well, I don't dislike any of this. Mm. But I don't. Oh, here comes the cat. Oh, oh yes. hi. Hello. You got an opinion on Marillion? 
<laughs> Brilliant. She actually said he did. no. Oh, he's going to open the other door now. You can do it. Come on. You just open. There he goes. Apologies for the cat interruption. Sanya, you look like you want to say something. Um, well, I guess, I guess I, I just wanted to say that for me personally, the fact that the album doesn't have any full on favorites, like all time favorites, isn't an issue. It's, it's like, it's got good songs and that's enough. That's enough for it to be a good album. There's no songs that you kind of want to skip. Right. Or there aren't enough songs that, you know, it's a, it's a, there's a fine, if, there, if an album has more than one song that you want to skip, then generally I won't. There's nothing it. on there. I, I, you know, there's nothing on there that, that I, I want to skip. skip. But there's nothing on there that I'd necessarily go and seek out and want to listen to apart from the first and last tracks. Yeah. And yeah. But you, I know Same. a whole bunch of you are having a heart attack right now because I haven't said Estonia, but we'll get to that. But uh, we'll get to that next week. and We'll get into the individual ones next week. But yeah, so that's where I'm at. But I think I might have got it out of my system. We'll see what happens when Meridian release the next I'm album. I'm so nervous now. Yeah, and it's not fair on them. It isn't. It's, yeah, and it's not guys, fair. I mean, these, these guys have been working on this album for five years now. No, I haven't. They've been working and, on it for like a year. Uh, and you're, <laughs> you and know, you're putting all this. They just they spent the them. previous four years just fanning around. No, you don't know that, <laughs> Mister Judgmental. They could have written some more solo albums and got some stuff out of their system. Give them a break. They were touring for two of those years. I know I'm not being fair when I say stuff like I worry about the way they write songs that works for them. Okay, great. But it worries me that they always seem surprised by what comes out rather than... <laughs> that you know, worries you. It does, because it's like, well, I don't know. Does it feel not not curated enough? Yes, yes. It does. Although they have also said, which does give me some hope, that they've got more songs and more music than they need at this stage mm. so they can cherry pick. And then if the producer is good at curating and finding a, yeah. a common thread, That's whether it I be hope. through the sound or through the themes of the songs, mm. then all the pressure's on him. It's basically all on his shoulders. Yeah, Mike Hunter. I'll be coming for you if this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them get a free pass. They did get a free pass on this strange engine because they produced it themselves. So, <laughs> so look, I I, I apologise for that epic rant. Um, that... I think it's actually it's healthy and it's good for it's good for people to see that it's normal to feel the way you felt well yeah look well it's not it's mental uh but lo lots of people suppress things and pretend yeah. they like something what i'm saying is i'm giving you permission really not don't. to like exactly. a meridian album or exactly. song and or I anything think else in your life anything in your life yeah your spouse Which you feel you might well <laughs> no you have to suppress that you have to say you like them <laughs> What are you trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Divorce rate sore after BM pod <laughs> bombshell. <laughs> um, I was also going to say, 
I sometimes worry, and this partly going right back to the beginning of this app. Yeah, you know, I'm nervous about Ant Short coming on because I know we can be, you know, and I'm worried, were we to ever have a band member on the podcast? I'm worried because sometimes we are quite, or certainly me, eh, Sonia's quite honest as well, but we're quite open about what we, when we don't like something. Mm. But for me, I, I... The band are as well, though. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, you know, I even read yesterday, you know, a quote from H about the track Holidays in Eden. <laughs> Yo. What did he say? Oh, I can't remember, just that he, it was disappointing. But I I think it's important for us, this podcast, to be honest like that, because I think there is a perception of Marillion fans as a bunch of Moonies who just love everything they do. What's the word? Yeah, that just love everything they do unconditionally. Mm. And I think because I've clearly been guilty of this cognitive dissonance thing and telling myself I love some Marillion stuff when I clearly don't. I think it allows us to 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 perhaps reach people. And I know there's a few few of you listening that have have started listening to Marillion having not been fans before and I hope that by us being honest and not just kind of giving everything a blanket 10 out of 10 that that we can kind of say to those people well you won't like everything as well but you might like some of it Mm. and I think as well it allows us it shows that when we do kind of go this track is brilliant it's one of the best I've ever done that we really, really mean it. If if everything we say is ten out of ten, then nothing is ten yeah. out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no contrast there. If everything no. is black, then every, you can't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like quite literally, if everything is white, you can't see anything. But when you've got a mix of shades then yes. life is more interesting yeah. so that's partly our intent with this and you know uh, god forbid the band ever listened to this <laughs> that's it end of sentence <laughs> but god forbid the band ever listened to this and get upset i mean i don't know why they would listen to to us but because uh i hope as well that our absolute love for marillion comes through and that as I've said before, they're my favourite band for good reason. But I do think it's really important for us to be honest mm. about what we like and don't like. And as we've established, that's not going to be the same things you like and dislike. Mm. We have a slight problem in this podcast that Sanya and I generally tend to be in sync with the same songs, um, which is why at some point I would like to get my mate Anthony on because he mm. and I... Have definitely different. don't agree. Yeah. Um, or my friend Mark and he and I definitely don't agree. Agree. I think our friend Richard. You generally. tend to have similar Yeah, a bit more similar, Richard. I think, with Richard. And Nick as well, I think. Although Nick doesn't like the levers. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he says he finds it a bit meandering in places. All five sections of it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I, th- I just think it's it's important for us to be honest, and while also all of you listening to this, don't ever take what we're saying as as gospel. We're not no. saying that. And try we try to personalise our responses to the music mm. and try to sort of own it and go, it's our feeling. Yes, 
and the value in that as well and the value of you being honest and this isn't in a broader perspective that reaches wider than the podcast so just in general life it shows that it's okay to have friends that you don't agree with on everything wow we've turned into a self-help podcast well, I don't know. Is it self-help? It's more like, <laughs> you know, I know in recent years there's been a lot of talk about uh, being in a bubble mm. and only listening to opinions that are the same as yours yeah. and stuff like that. And Echo chambers. Echo chambers. That's the word I was looking for. Um, and you being honest and saying when you don't like an album or a song on a, on a smaller level, so a microcosmic level, almost it's it's giving permission for people to say oh he doesn't like every Marillion album he was disappointed with this one but he does still like Marillion Mm. he still loves them they're still his favorite band and we're happy to read letters from people who have a completely opposite opinion to us there's place for everyone because it's not like you know really serious issues like racism or sexism and stuff like that. There's a a bit less leeway to sort of go, yeah, we'll agree to disagree Um, with things like that. You don't want to agree to disagree. And it's okay. We're a broad church. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to have friends that don't feel the same way as you about everything. Yeah. It makes life more interesting and we can learn from each other and, see things from different perspectives. Yeah, what a lovely monologue. Thank you. Yeah. And it's just as well we're sort of saying uh, all this because uh, for the next couple of albums, it's going to get a bit rocky and not in a kind of uh, up-tempo New Marillion album way. <laughs> just to let you know, we're in the castle years and it's under siege. Oh dear. Wow. Will the castle metaphors and analogies ever end? We should do the next podcast episode from that hotel called The Castle, Norbrecht Castle in Blackpool. Okay, that's interesting. Why didn't you just say from a castle? (laughs) Why didn't you say from a castle instead of mentioning some obscure hotel in Blackpool? (laughs) Why not be a bit more universal? Actually, from a castle would be much nicer right end of podcast everyone (laughs) everyone send us some thoughts on mid 90s marillion the internet years this strange engine all of that we'd love to hear what you have to say or just write to us about anything as long as it's related to some degree to marillion uh pod at gmail.com go support us on patreon if you want uh where some of you may have heard this episode early uh you can find that patreon.com slash mr biffo m-r-b-i-f-f-o go follow us on facebook and twitter beampod where i'm starting to do a little bit more uh i'd ask you all to buy my album but i don't think any of you ever do so um oh come on no there's no point anymore i give up (laughs) i give up (laughs) you're not having a good day today i'm having a great day Right, everyone, we'll uh, catch you next week for the proper start of our This Strange Engine yes. retrospective. <laughs> Jesus wow. Christ, I went to say have a good week. <laughs> Swallowed my spit. <laughs> have a good week, everyone. Bye.
Bye.